Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. My name is Hunter Salazar, and I will be your host today. So today is a bit of a special video, and the reason why it's special is because it was a bit by request and bit by offering. Um, some A friend of mine is going through uh, some psychic vampire attacks uh, that are coming from an individual who is very persistent and very hard to stop very hard to protect against. So this video is going to be talking about uh, protecting yourself from psychic attack. And I hope that everybody listening will get something out of this. This is the point of this video. Um, I will be using two sources. One is The Sorcerer's Secrets by Jason Miller. And another one is The Psychic Vampire Codex. Besides that, I will be discussing my recommended uh, you know, treatments or uh, actions for this problem. So I'll give you a basic outline of where we're going to go. So uh, it's going to start out with uh, getting close to protective gods and spirits. Um, we're going to go into talisman creation and amulets. Then we're going to go into psychic vampire codex and energy shields. Holding shields in the mind and visualization, sage smudging, and sea salt application. So let's go ahead and get started here. So when I refer to getting close to protective gods and spirits, it's very much a it's very much an important thing to do, but it's also something you can't do immediately unless you're dealing with Saint Expedites and you know his prayers. Um, you can use the Glory Be and Hail Mary. And if you make an offering of pound cake and you really need help immediately, St. Expedite is the way to go. Um, a picture printed out of St. Expedite is amazing. Um, the best thing to do is have a St. Expedite statue. There's been a lot of power put into this saint that who is not canonized by the Catholic Church. And he's very effective. He has been for myself and as well as many people that I know and have worked with. But when we're getting close to a god or a spirit, you need to be able to have a space where you can create an altar. When it comes to altar creation, there's a few things that you need. You need, based on what energy you're trying to accomplish, you might need different colors, but a plain white towel over a space, a space that won't be disturbed, uh, a space that you can have, you know, sit there for a long period of time, put that white towel over, or you can use dark blue, dark green, or even uh, a red. Then you also need some white seven-day candles. Easy to buy. They're about, they're, they're, they're these long glass candles that you can find for about a dollar at most grocery stores. I definitely buy about three of those. Be able to have one candle right at the front of this towel, you know, on the other side, but right in the middle, other side of you, you're in the front of the towel, towards the back of the towel and in the center. What you also need is an image or a statue of the being that you're gonna be working with. That's very important. It can just be an image that you printed out, for instance, so. Then you also need a, a uh, an incense holder, an incense um, sensor, if you will. Usually a long piece of wood that has a little hole and has a little incline on one end that you can put an incense stick in. My favorite is, of course, frankincense and dragon's blood. <clears throat> These two are very useful for a number of things. 
You might also want to get Nog Champa if you want to create a calming effect. Then you will also need, you'll need an offering bowl. I usually like bronze offering bowls, but you can just use a white ceramic offering bowl if you want to where you can fi find out what the spirit or God likes and give them an offering of that. Make sure you have a prayer in mind, a mantra in mind. If we're working with Kalima, you might use the mantra, Om Kring Kali Kye Namaha. If you're working with a saint, you might use the, uh, the prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And Hail Mary works very well for female Catholic saints and a lot of other Catholic saints, um, which is the prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, you want to say a mantra or a prayer a number of times. You can kind of decide what effect the mantra or prayer is having, and you can kind of stop whenever, after you can stop the repetition after you feel like there was a connection made. And sometimes you can't make a connection right off the bat. Sometimes it takes weeks of every day offering to a spirit or God a little bit, saying prayers and mantras, or just asking for protection. But I wouldn't ask for protection from a God or a spirit without having an altar space, without giving them something, without trying to connect to them. You also want a, um, you also want a free writing journal. Uh, now, this free writing journal is, it can be just a regular journal, and you have it on your altar or shrine. And while you have it there, you need a pen beside it. And you, you want to, it, this might take some meditation, the ability to clear your mind. Uh, one way to meditate and clearing your mind before opening yourself up to free writing is by you sit in your meditation posture, cross-legged, erect spine, hands resting on knees, close your eyes. And I, you have to imagine this bubble at the center of your brain expanding, pushing out all negative thoughts, pushing out all thoughts in general especially negative ones, but you want to imagine this bubble. As you breathe in, you want to see this bubble expanding and pushing out all thoughts. Now, don't get frustrated if you can't clear your mind. Just keep on having that bubble push out those thoughts as you breathe to give yourself a completely clear mind. And then once you do that, you know, for a time, maybe it might take you two minutes, maybe it might take you 10 minutes, but it shouldn't be too long of a meditation. And then you look upon the, you stand up or sit up or open your eyes. You look upon the image. You look upon the statue. And, of course, you might want to have a candle lit directly behind it or, or kind of to the left or right of it. And you need that candle, like, basically in the center. You might want to look up to that image or that statue. And then you open your journal and then you just try to keep on having that state of emptiness of the mind and then you start writing and writing and writing whatever comes into your brain you might actually receive some help without really meaning to without really meaning to uh actually gain advice for protection a lot of the time spirits and gods they know what you need they know what your problem is and they'll address you as such and they'll help you as such I'd highly recommend the Divine Mother Kalima, very powerful motherly warrior figure. I'd highly recommend Odin, 
very dynamic, um, multi-purpose, multi-faceted God. Uh, of course, Ganesha in Hinduism is very much known for obstacle breaking. You might want to have an image of him and then kind of look up some mantras, write them down or print them out, and use some of those mantras. Feel what each feel like and which one you want to use in relation to Ganesha and praying for the breaking of obstacles, basically. Um, but this does take time. It's not immediate. This is a relationship you have to build up. And you have to figure out what the offerings are, what you should offer, how you should offer it. You need to make sure that you start out very basically. You don't want to have too many things on your shrine or altar at the beginning. Just some basic things as you develop your first relationship with a god or a spirit. Before we continue, and there's a lot to go into here, uh, let's go ahead and take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, everyone, we are back. So what we're going to talk about now is talisman creation and amulets. I'm going to go ahead and read from the Sorcerer's Secrets about amulets because there is a good uh, few passages here. Let's see what we have here. All right, so amulets. Amulets are physical objects that protect one from harm or drive away specific forces. They are used in almost every culture on Earth and take innumerable forms from the lucky rabbit's foot to extremely complex Kabbalistic scrolls. Unlike a shield, the beauty of an amulet is that you never have to think about it. it it's always on. It's passive, if you will. This also makes it ideal for helping people that may feel that they are being physically attacked but, not, uh, but are not sorcerers themselves and are thus unlikely to project shields, perform banishings, and the like. In my book, Protection and Reversal Magic, you will find a short list of traditional protective amulets from all over the world. Once again, I just want to tell you, this is The Sorcerer's Secrets by Jason Miller. As well as several different rituals for specific amulets. In this chapter, I want to approach the subject from a looser perspective and teach a more universal method of working with protective amulets. As with everything in this book, you should relate what I teach, what I'm teaching here, to other chapters. The methods used for protection amulets, amulets can easily be turned towards love charms and wealth talismans. The skilled... Sorcerer has the power to change just about anything into an amulet. Some things hold a charge better than others, of course. When choosing an object to charge as an amulet, you should look bo at both the material and the symbolism. Natural materials work better than purely synthetic ones. Plastic, for instance, has many wonderful properties, but is not a good fluid condenser. To borrow a term from Franz Barden, Wood, metal, stone, and other natural materials seem to accept a charge just fine. I have met people who have charged electronic devices encased in plastic. But in this case, it is the, mo the mostly metal insides that hold the charge, not the plastic. Certain miner metals, minerals, and woods have magical properties in and of themselves. Of all materials, iron, the metal of Mars, is ultimate Apotropaic, okay, I'm just going to spell this word free, A-P-O-T-R-O-P-A-I-C, apotro, 
Paic, yeah, uh, substance, and is recognized all over the world for its ability to interrupt spells, harm witches, drive away, or even kill harmful spirits. Silk cotton, silk cotton wood is the most powerful cleansing and protecting wood in Palo, Palo Santo, uh, where it is known as Singuea Palo. Rowan is considered the best exorcism wood in many traditions of European craft. I can never remember if it's Santo Paolo or Palo Santo, but I use that wood myself, actually, and it's very cleansing. It's very protective. If you can carve something out of that or buy something carved out of that, it's, it's quite wonderful. All right, so the symbolism of, of the object is also important. Crosses, pentagrams, stars of David, and other religious icons, of course, make excellent protect, protective charms. Other cultural protective items, such as the Hamsa hand, Mano Canuto, and swastika can also be powerful hosts for protective power. By the way, the swastika uh, in Hinduism, it, it's actually way different than what the Nazis used it for. Um, it is a, a symbol for progression and moving forward. All right, and uh, actually compassion as well. Okay, so this, the symbolism need not be traditional, however. I once empowered a, a child's toy soldier as a protective amulet, and have a friend that went around his house and made every alarm sensor into an amulet. Symbolism is helpful, but not, nece- not necessary. If you have an item that you love to wear or carry, but it doesn't have any symbolism that you can think of, you can still charge it. There are, of course, many ways to charge something as an amulet. Rather than give you a single ritual to use in this case, I'm going to challenge you to create your own. To help you along, I'm going to list uh, just a few methods that relate to three levels of sorcery. You can use them separately or string them together, at least three in a ritual, so that all three levels are represented. Level 1, Empyrean slash Divine slash Causal Method. Usually focus on prayer and invocation. At this high level of work, we are not talking about specific deities of protection like the god Horus, but the invocation of the the Divine itself. Align your awareness with this level of by performing the seal of center, centering and the invocation to the bornless one. Then command the object to protect its holder from harm. By your word, it shall be done. Level 2 methods involve either conjuring specific spiritual powers or applying energy directly to the object. In the case of the former, you would continue to hold your divine mind uh, from above and pray or in or invoke a spiritual power such as the Archangel Michael or the Goddess Hecate. So Archangel Michael and the Goddess Hecate, I never say it right, um, they are very potent. I actually work with Archangel Michael, and he's basically the only angel I work with, but uh, he is very protective. Uh, I would say that my guardian angel is a lot like um, Archangel Michael. Um, Goddess Hecate is not one that I work with a lot, uh, her name is H E K A T E, but she is very. U- she has been proven to be very useful for a lot of people. Okay, to to lay their hands upon the amulet and lend it its power. Going even lower in the spectrum of this level, you can ask a nature spirit or shade of a deceased loved one to enter the object and act as protector. There are some who see this as trapping the spirit, but I can assure you that they're. That they do not experience space and time the way we do, and there will be many spirits who jump at the opportunity to work in this way. To apply energy directly to the amulet, you can uh, pour breath, the specific energy that you want to work with, such as the element fire or the planet Mars, 
and then breathe it into the amulet. To do this, you literally breathe upon it, which is how most Tibetans consecrate their ritual implements and amulets. You can, of course, also find a source of power and leave the object there for a specified time to accumulate force. For instance, burying an object inside a sacred mound or exposing it to moonlight for a full cycle will charge it directly, indirectly. You should, you, uh, you should still consecrate it verbally so that this power is patterned to work the way you wish it to. Um, level three, of course, is, of course, present in the object itself, but there are other ways to bolster its magic on this level. The application of holy oil or a- abralem, oh wait, abramelin, abramelin oil, as well as condition oils like fiery wall protection and reversing oil act as an added boost. Some magicians apply fluid from their own body as a way to add power. For instance, blood. I actually empower things with blood quite a bit. Spitting in mojo bags is a traditional way of doing this. Sweat from hands accumulated during prayers and other. The most powerful of these is the combined sexual fluids from an act of sex magic dedicated to the rite. 19th century African-American Magus Pascal Beverly Randolph used this method to charge scrying mirrors that he sold to the mail. You can also suspend the amulet over smoke from burning incense while you perform your invocations, infusing it materially with the herbal power from the incense. When working with clients, they sometimes provide me with a piece of jewelry to charge as an amulet for them. If not, then I usually either make them a paper talisman or amulet. The act of construction is part of the consecration itself. Paper seals are usually drawn on paper and can never be used for anything else and is of sturdy stock. Ceremonial magicians favor parchment and root workers favor town pieces of brown uh, grocery bags. To me, it doesn't make much difference as long as it's thick. I also use a special ink such as Dragon's Blood ink. Okay, I've read a lot there. I think I should stop. There's a lot of good information in that. So let's talk about talisman creation. So I specialize in talisman creation. He he made a lot of points that I actually kind of wanted to make, but what I do is I usually combine a number of different ele- number of different components into a small velvet bag. Um, this velvet bag, it shouldn't, it doesn't have to be very big. It can be just the size of you know two inches by two inches. You can order something like that on Amazon. Black and purple um, are really good. Um, are really good colors for this. Now, what you put in these bags is often is often based on what you want the amulet to do. If you're looking at protection, you might want to add a number of little fragments of snowflake obsidian or just a big uh, piece of obsidian in the bag. That can be kind of like the basis for your work. Obsidian is very protective. Um, you can also use amethyst. Amethyst is very, very light energy, um, also protective and kind of uh, calming. You can also use uh, something like opal of any kind. That's very calming as well. Um, you can use um, you know desert desert rose, which is kind of like this mineralized, this white mineralized piece of stone that can help you provide protection. You can also use uh, you can also use malachite. Uh, there's a number of minerals that you can use as a basis for a protection talisman. So you put that in there. 
And then you might want to add an herb as well. So a protective herb could, if it's, if it's more like loving protection, it might be something like rosemary. Um, I find that to bring about peace in your life, it's good to use olive leaves, which you can also order on Amazon. Kind of crack them up a bit, toss them in there. Um, you can put in sage, and this kind of supercharged the next part will supercharge the next part that I'm going to tell you. You put white sage. You could put mugwort. That's for mugwort is for more mystical purposes, but white sage really uh, empowers a lot of different things. So let's say that we put some obsidian or a, a obsidian stone. Um, put some white sage. Crack it up a bit. Toss it in the bag. You definitely want to have an affirmation on a piece of paper. If you can, I'd write it out in your own. Uh, your own blood. It doesn't need to be a lot, just a little tiny prick with a tiny needle. And then you use one of your fingers to either write it or use a tiny paintbrush or even toothpick to write this affirmation in your own blood. Your own blood is your sacred elixir. It is something that you can charge things with that is very specific to you and will only work for you. Well, at least most of the time. You can charge a number of things with your own blood, and I highly recommend doing that. You can, of course, it doesn't have to be an affirmation. It doesn't have to be an aff affirmation like, I am protected. By the way, if it is an affirmation, do not say, I wish to be protected. Say, I am protected, or I am defended, or I cannot be attacked, or the person, and then write their name, has no effect on me. Writing it in your own blood, of course. If you want to make a sigil and write it on that piece of parchment or paper, that's even better. So if you write, if you write a sigil on something, basically how you make a sigil is you write an affirming statement, like "I am protected from psychic attack." What you do is you write it in all caps, and then what you do is you cross out the letters that are repeats. Cross out all the repeats. Some people also cross out all the vowels so that it narrows it down even more. If it's a long sentence like that, definitely cross out the vowels as well. And then you want to write out the letters that you have left below it. And then what you do is you make, you make a few different combinations of the different shapes that the letters take up, the English letters. It can be another language, but the English letters in this case. You play with these images. You try to make a sigil. You try to make a, an not an image, a, um, a pictograph, if you will, sometimes, or uh, some kind of sigil that is composed of these different letters that you have left. And you don't have to use them all, but just try to play around, see which one works for you. And then once you make this sigil, kind of have what it, what it is in your mind, you kind of, you want to destroy the process. You want to burn the paper. After copying that sigil onto a piece of parchment or computer paper uh, with your own blood or with an ink pen, copy that sigil on there. And once you burn the paper, the evidence of what it was, you want to keep in mind that it's for protection, but you want to kind of distance yourself from exactly what the sigil represents. When you disassociate from the exact sentence that you used and the exact process that you used to get there, then the sigil truly becomes empowered as a mystical addition to the talisman. So what you can do is you also... what. What also helps, I found a lot of the time, is adding a, a couple pennies, a quarter, something like that, something that's moved around a lot, something that has picked up energy over time, as an offering to the very herbs and stones that you use in the talisman creation, because they also have their own kind of spirit. And you want to make an offering of, if it's an, one herb and one stone that you use, then you want to make, you want to have 
an offering of change for each of them, maybe just a coin each, maybe just a shiny penny each or a quarter each. Toss that in there. You can, And then once you tie it up, um, you basically tie the top of this talisman, the, the, the velvet bag with the strings, tie those strings, and then you should label the bag. You should write on a small piece of paper, this is, uh, you know, psychic protection talisman. Write down a piece of paper, tape it, and wrap the tape around the talisman, or sew it in. And what you do after that is you kind of let it sit on your altar, your shrine, or even on your desk for a little while, maybe a day. You want it to kind of coalesce and become one with itself. Um, and then you can start carrying it around. So there is something else you can add as well. You can add a few drops of of um of a protective oil i find that if you add crown of success oil which you it's a pagan oil you can find on amazon i know i'm using amazon a lot but it's basically what everybody has so that's why i'm listing it so uh crown of success oil you kind of smear that onto the piece of paper you kind of um you kind of uh, drop a few drops into the bag then you can tie it for extra potency this is one way you can create a talisman now there's a few other things that I'd like to mention. Um, organite, great for protection in a number of ways. Organite pendants. But when you're wearing it, every week, you're going to want to take it off. Um, you're going to want to put some sea salt in water, mix it up, let it, let it kind of um, dissolve. And then you put your organite pendant into this and let it sit for a day. That'll purify it, take away any negative energy it's picked up. Then, and then you might want to do this right when you get it, and then you set it outside for a few hours in direct sunlight so that it can charge. Now then you can wear it. Do this once a week, and it'll remain fresh. Its protective ability will remain fresh. Its use as even an amulet or a talisman will remain fresh. You might want to figure out which symbols you want on your organite or your organite to make up, symbols that mean something to you. Um... When you're making an a, a talisman, you might want to toss in a, a, for instance, a metal pentagram. If that symbol means something to you, a metal rune, a metal little saint, um, uh, some kind of symbol that's made out of metal. Toss it into the amulet, or use it as an amulet itself. Anoint it every so often with some olive oil. To olive oil is great for anointing. You you press you press a little bit of the olive oil with the finger into the amulet, and then you anoint yourself with it, and then you grasp the amulet, and you say a prayer, you say a mantra, and that can be the start of your day. And you wear that amulet. You, it it can be as simple as that: just some olive oil, a prayer, mantra, affirmation said a few times, closed eyes, focused, and wearing it. Uh, amulet or talisman can be just that. It's not it's not actually too hard. Um, so if you want to charge, if you want to charge an amulet or a talisman, what you do is you sit in front of it. You can sit in a chair as long as you have your back straight and you can close your eyes. Or best to sit on the floor on a meditation cushion or cross-legged with no cushion. You put your hands together, you put your pointer fingers together and all other fingers towards you, maybe your thumbs straight up. And you close your eyes and you have that amulet or talisman in front of you. And you visualize energy coming into your body as you breathe in. And then as you breathe out, that energy going into the talisman. 
You do this for a number of minutes, however long you th- think you can. Uh, it should be white light, or it should be red, or bright blue, depending on if you want it to be, if it's a, an aggressive thing, like aggressively protecting you and hurting the person that is trying to attack you, you want it to be red. White, imagining white light is just good for anything in general. Light blue light is more connection to the, the causal and the astral. Um, you can use that if you're using a you know, an angel or a saint or something like that. But white light is just good for everything. Imagining that as you breathe in, you're in a you're in a dark space. It's just you and that amulet. You sitting down in that amulet. You're visualizing this. And then you're visualizing as you breathe in that white energy going into the amulet talisman. That's how you charge it. Charge it as much as you as you feel needs to happen. Um so we are <laughs> running short of time here. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to psychic the Psychic Vampire Codex. So the Psychic Vampire Codex by Michelle Belanger. Or Bel- Belanger? Yeah, yeah, no, it's Belanger. Um, a Manual of Magic and Energy Work. Now, this will help you understand psychic vampires. Um, if you are not sure what psychic vampires are, if you're not sure how they operate... This book will help you. And it's actually written by a woman who is a good psychic vampire that only clears up – that does what psychic vampires are meant to do, to feed on somebody's energy. But it has to be willing and it's basically to create channels where blockages um, had existed. So the reason psychic vampires exist is because these blockages within people need to be cleared out along their sh- uh, along their chakras. Um, so it needs to be cleared out, and um, psychic vampires are very use- useful in doing that. They get energy, and then you get these blockages taken out to where your energy starts to flow properly again. Think of think of it like how they used to bleed patients in order to uh, try to save them. Um, that didn't work, <laughs> but it's a lot like this, and this is the way that it can work. Um, so, the Psychic Vampire Codex, I actually learned a lot from this. This Psychic Vampire Codex is remarkable. Um, I learned how to create a shield, basically, but let me go to a passage from the Psychic Vampire Codex. Okay, so we have shielding, page 148. The subtle body has several defense me- defenses against intruding energies that may harm or imbalance you. The first layer of the aura is a, pr- aura is a protective barrier that functions much like your skin. Additional layers of the aura also help to repel external energies. However, you do not have to rely upon the aura alone to protect you from unwanted intrusions on your, in- on your energy. Through a conscious act of will, you can extend some of your energy around yourself to construct a subtle barrier. This technique is known as shielding. Shields are used for a number of reasons. Many awakened con- many awakened construct shields to protect themselves from psychic-, psychic attacks. Shields can guard against malign attachments by preventing parasitic entities from connecting with your energy. Shields can also be useful to keep out chaotic, negative, or conflicting energies. This is especially useful for for very sensitive people who can easily be overwhelmed by their perceptions of these energies. Um, 
At an empath should shield when in a large crowd, for example, to avoid being bombarded by the cacophony of everyone's thoughts and feelings. The most basic shield is a simple bubble of energy that you project around yourself. Close your eyes, ground and center yourself. Begin to gather energy within, focusing it in the area beneath your solar plexus. Begin to shape this energy into a large sphere. You may find it helpful to cup your hands over your solar plexus as if you were shaping... Uh, you are shaping a ball of energy half inside your chest. It is best to visualize the outside of the sphere as something tough but flexible. Rigid shields are not as effective as shields with a little give to them. Under a strong assault, rigid shields may break, whereas more flexible shields will bend. It helps that in its natural state, energy tends to be very elastic. As this shield, a sphere of energy begins to take form, expand it. Guide this expansion with your hands, pulling the exterior of the sphere farther and farther away from your chest. There will be a point where the sphere grows so large that you are no longer pulling the energy outside of it with your hands. Instead, you are pushing from the inside to, to stretch the sphere around you. When you are finished, the center of the sphere should remain rooted at your core, but the outside should surround you completely. At first, it will feel very strange to have this artificial barrier around you, and you will have to think about it almost constantly in order to keep it in place. The shield by no means is a permanent structure, unless you reinforce it. The, the, energy, the, oh, Jesus. the energy of a shield will deteriorate over time. In order to maintain the shield, you have to periodically refocus and replenish its energy. There are many variations on the basic form of shielding. As much of shielding is con as much of shielding is conceptual. The manner in which you shield depends on your method of visualization. You can give specific form and function to your shields through your visualizations, and you can further charge the energy of your shields with specific emotions or intents. The limits of how elaborate you can get with shielding will depend upon your imagination and your ability to apply this to energy manipulation. There is one major problem with shields of any sort, especially for those who feed upon energy. Keeping energy out means that you are also you can also not take energy in. Most shields are non-discerning barriers against energy of all types, and this includes ambient energy that you may be accustomed to taking from your environment. Shielding too heavily can make you feel distanced and detached from things around you, and your perceptions will feel muffled and dimmed. This is especially disconcerting for members of the priest caste. You will be blocked from your accustomed interaction with ambient energy, and a lack of sensation may make you feel disoriented or numb. All right, so that's what we're going to read from this today. I feel like I gave you a good intro to shields. Um, so when I use shields, <clears throat> I didn't know before I read that that when I put up shields and I focus on them inside my head, I'd always get a little tired. Like, I naturally am at one with my environment and take in energy from my environment, but I, I, I would get tired and I would yawn. Um, before that, I didn't really know why, but it's because the body often takes in, uh, the astral body especially takes in the energy of its surroundings, especially if you're a higher level consciousness, i.e. human. Um, but what... What I do when I, when I feel like I really need to be shielded is I either close my eyes or leave them open and I picture in my mind's eye this red kind of red glowing shield around my body.
body, but it's not my body that I'm seeing. It's this white slash blue light slash bluish lights that I'm seeing my astral body as, and then I'm seeing this red um, bubble around me, oval that is protecting me. And I, when I breathe in, I I imagine this bubble getting brighter and brighter red, and then when I breathe out, it's kind of like goes down a bit. And I'm keeping it up. And I even imagine, you know, random little things hitting it and not being able to get through to solidify its presence as a shield. Um, it's very connected to breath, visualization, and an understanding of energy. If you want to take energy from someone, um, you can extend these tendrils from your spine, from the base of your neck, just imagine it, and they you can... Put you can basically put them into somebody and then draw out energy from the base of the other person's neck. But without getting further into that, um, you can actually gather ambient energy that just exists around you that people leave behind just by picturing this cyclone and you're at the center and this cyclone drawing in everything around you. You can get a really good boost of energy if you picture yourself at the center of a cyclone. And you can just be going about your day, but you picture this in your mind's eye, this cyclone, and then it's pulling in all the energy around. It can give you quite a bit of a rush. All right, so the last thing I wanted to talk about in this podcast is sage smudging and sea salt application. This is some very basic stuff. Um, so sage smudging, California white sage, organic, easy to buy on Amazon, pretty cheap, three smudge sticks. Um, you kind of want to unwrap the string a little bit, kind of light the ends, uh, light the end of it, or take off some leaves and light those and have a shell with holes in it so that it can breathe. And I covered this recently, of course. I, I covered this a lot because it's just a very basic thing that you can do that's really helpful. Uh, and then you have a feather and then you fan this smudge, this the, the leaves in this smudge stick, or you can just use the smudge stick itself. And you go to the corners of your room, the corners of your house's room, and you go along the walls a little bit on the ceiling and floor. And you, you can say something as simple as OM. 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 And that combined with the white sage smud smoke will really purify your place. Um, it, it'll add a little bit of protection because you're primed against negativity because of the purification. Um, you can also say prayers. You can also say mantras just over and over again while you're doing this work. And you don't have to get the whole ceiling or the whole floor, just a, a dab up and down. But the corners are very important along the walls, very, very important as well. Uh, you want to make negativity kind of gathers in corners. So you want to kind of negate that and stop that. Uh, but yeah, sage smudging is that easy. Um, when we're talking about. Something that you can do is sea salt. Sea salt is also very easy. You can use Himalayan pink salt. Uh, you can use regular sea salt. You can use or you know <laughs> organic sea salt. Uh, you can use sea salt that is supposed to be very potent for magic. Uh, and if it's really thick, you want to grind it up a little bit. You can use a plate and a cup, or you can use mortar and pestle. And then you sprinkle it along window seals and at the bottom of doors. And you say a mantra, or you say this house is protected or no evil can enter here. And you say it every time um, that you go along each door, each window seal. That'll help keep negativity out as well. Now, for a psychic vampire, like my friend sounds like she's being attacked by a very 
by a powerful psychic vampire, talisman creation, getting close to certain spirits, getting close to spirits and gods that can protect you, and um, learning a little bit about psychic vampires and shielding yourself. These things are way more effective, but it's good to have some purifying techniques and a little bit of shielding to, you know, a little bit of purification to start out with. At any rate, this is the end of this episode. Now, I want to say to my friend that I really hope that this helps you. I'll continue working with you in Messenger, of course. We're talking now. Um, I'm glad that you reached out to me. I'm glad that uh, you listened to this. And if anybody out there who wants to reach out to me and ask for specific advice, I do give advice for free. And most of the time, I can actually do rituals or magic for somebody for free, assuming that I can just use basic materials. What you can do uh, in order to contact me is go to www.facebook.com slash hunter.salazar, H-U-N-T-E-R dot S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. Once again, www.facebook.com slash hunter.salazar. You can also find my YouTube channel at Hunter Salazar. Just type in Hunter Salazar and I'll be the first result. You can find me on Instagram as Masta. V-E-V-E-M-A-S-T-A. At any rate, thank you very much for listening. I hope this helps, and I hope to hear from more of you in the future.